Welcome to the fourth edition of the About IBD podcast. I'm your host, Amber Tresca. You can find me on VeryWell.com, where I write about inflammatory bowel disease, and you can also find me on my personal website, AboutIBD.com, as well as on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat as About IBD. Today, I've got Mr. Ryan Stevens, who's a good friend of mine, as you'll figure out as you listen to the podcast, but he's also made some huge contributions to the understanding of IBD by the general public. So he's got some big stuff coming up soon that we want to tell you about, and we also talk a little bit about a program that he did recently that was put together for patients with inflammatory bowel disease and rheumatoid arthritis to tell their stories. And you can find his video at finelytuned.com. But you're not going to go there right now because you're going to listen to us have a conversation about what's going on with Ryan and about whether or not I'm actually going to get in a kayak. I don't know about this. All right. Here we go with my interview with Ryan, otherwise known as Crohn's Guy. Ryan. Yes, Amber. <laughs> thank you for talking with me today. Well, thank you for inviting me to come on. I'm really honored. I feel like there's a bunch of topics that we could talk about um, pretty easily, but what I wanted to talk to you today was about a very specific experience that you had about working with people at Janssen on the finely tuned program and doing some video with them. I can't imagine that there's anybody that doesn't know your story. Just at the very beginning, can you tell me really quick about um, your diagnosis and then taking me through to where you are today with your disease? Yeah, absolutely. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's colitis back on March 2nd of 2009 and um, tried quite a few medications. Nothing seemed to be working, unfortunately. And so two years later, I had to have a colectomy and a temporary pouch for about six months and then had that reversed and went on with my life for about two years. And unfortunately, you know, surgery is not a cure. So, uh, the Crohn's had decided to move up, uh, in the real estate. And, um, so I started going back onto drugs, different uh, medications, and unfortunately, um, ended up having further surgery, but I'm here now. And, uh, my God, it's been, how many years is that? 2009 now it's a lot eight years so eight years yeah and what you didn't mention that I know about you that again I can't imagine that anyone doesn't know about you is that you are a competitive swimmer that is true uh, I spent my entire year or my entire life uh, basically swimming um, learned to do that before I even walked basically and went through high school and then college. And after that colectomy surgery in 2011, and I, I bounced back quite well and, you know, went from, I was 120 pounds before that surgery. And then I bounced back to my almost pre Crohn's weight, which is, you know, a healthy one, 175. Uh, I'm six foot one and, 
so I, at that point, I decided doing much better. I'm, I was going to try to do a little uh, raise awareness. And so I did do a swim, which involved Lake Erie. So that was a great experience in my life as well. Yeah, and at the end of um, the podcast, we'll make sure that we tell everybody where they can find the video for that. I was actually fortunate enough to attend the screening of the documentary of that swim, and it was really moving for everyone in the audience to see uh, what you've had to overcome in order to continue on with the sport that you love. And I have to say, the first time I met you, now I'm trying to remember what year it was, um, but the first time I met you in person, I took one look at you and I was like, this dude does not have Crohn's disease. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, you're so fit that it was kind of actually, um, I thought it was funny. Anyway, and since then, there's been a lot of ups and downs with what's happened to you. Uh, once again, you're bouncing back and are you planning? You've got more swims in, in the works, right? Right now, I'm hoping for it's an annual swim that they do around key west and it's about 12.5 miles and they do it usually in june of each year and i was supposed to do it two years ago and i just had a really bad run with crohn's and it was more uh, extra intestinal manifestations uh, with abscesses and fistula so i had quite a few surgeries that year and I just had to put that swim on, I had to postpone it. So just had uh, surgery back in December and I'm hoping that, you know, knock on synthetic wood that, cause that's all that's in front of me right now, but hopefully I don't have any of those further in my life. I, you know, who knows, but anyway, I, I'm back into swimming and training and I felt I wouldn't be ready this year. And it's pretty good decision because I'm not I'm way out of shape, even though I have been swimming for about two months now. And so my goal is for next year, 2018, to try that swim around Key West. Okay. Yeah, I really want you to do that swim because I want to go. I just want to go to Key West. And that's a perfect reason to go. I'll go and cover your swim. That'll be my excuse for hanging out in Key West. <laughs> well... Can you kayak at all? Because I need kayakers. I'm scared of kayaks. I have to tell you, it kind of creeps me out a little bit. I'm a little scared of it. So I don't know. I'll 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 work on it. For you, I'll work on it. Um, so, But what I want to talk to you about today was when you came to, you actually came to New York City because you were invited to do some filming with Jansen because they were working on a new program around Remicade and actually you and I met up in the city for a little bit before you went on to filming and I think you were there for a couple of days. So can you take us through sort of how they contacted you and then what that was like to come in? Because actually you, you hadn't been to New York prior to that, right? I'd never been to New York City, so it was really exciting. And it's great to have great friends like you because you came in and showed me how to use the subway. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, no, they, so Remicade really ended up being therapy for me because 
I had tried, as I said before, previously I tried just about everything. And what happened was, is I was, I was getting scoped almost monthly, uh, by my doctor at the Cleveland clinic. And I had a scope in December. I can't really tell you the date right now, the year, but I think it was 13. And he says, man, you're, you're really bad. And so he, he tried me on a different medication and then I was back almost less than a month later because he was really concerned and we did another scope and he said, all right, that stuff just didn't do anything. I want to try you on Remicade. And so I, uh, that was January. I think I started my first induction dose of February by June. I, I was scoped again in June 9th and I had, at that time I had three, only three infusions of Remicade. And when I woke up from the scope, he told me, I don't want to see you for an entire year. Like he couldn't believe what I looked like on the inside. And, you know, as a chronically ill patient, when your doctor says, I don't want to see you for a year, you're like, you just get up and leave. And you're like, all right, see ya. You know, like I ain't coming back. And so that was just an amazing thing to, to have that, to have that happen, you know, with all these other things that I tried and nothing worked. So they, you know, the lovely folks at Janssen were putting together uh, this video, finely tuned, about, you know, patients who have ha had success with, with Remicade. And uh, just, it was more about the personal story. And there were six of us that, that came in and uh, three with RA, or was it two? Anyway, uh, there were... Four of us, I'm sorry, there were four of us with IBD, and then there were two of us with uh, rheumatoid arthritis, RA, and uh, we all got to come in to, it was supposed to happen in New York City, actually, but we ended up at a studio, recording studio over in New Jersey, and that's where all the magic happened, so... Now, you've told your story many times. You've told it to me. You've told it when you did the swim across Lake Erie. I know you did some... Uh, local TV and things like that at that time. What was that like to get into this actual film studio and to tell your story, which you would think after telling it a multitude of times that you could sort of do it without any emotion, but I, I know personally that's not the case. Every time you tell it, it almost feels like you're reliving it. That's absolutely true, and it was just an incredible experience. I've never experienced anything like this being in an actual recording studio. Yeah. I, I did a few, you know, go to a television station and, you know, you got to sit there and be interviewed, but this was just incredible. You walk in and, um, the number of people that were involved in this, I mean, you look everywhere you look, there's somebody with camera or, they're running wires are there, uh, you know, there was makeup. I have never <laughs> really experienced having a makeup person, you know, doing my hair. It was just really incredible. It, they really put you at ease because they had, you know, the person that they were, the director, he's just like, tell me your story. Like, and then he would just ask questions about the journey. As I would talk, he would, Oh, I want to ask you further about this part of your story and tell me about that. And, it was just a great experience because you were just very relaxed. 
And you, you kind of, after a while, you forgot that there was a giant camera right in your face. At first, I was like, I am freezing. This place is so cold. Like, what is going on? And then, of course, you know, after two minutes, I'm sweating because you're nervous. You know, you're, you're, you're not used to all of this. But it was just an incredible experience to see what goes into this production. And the, the other thing that was really cool, because I always wanted to experience it, is they put the slate in front of you and then they snap it. But actually, I think it was a digital one now. They don't really snap it anymore. But I was like, this is so cool. Like, I'm on a, I'm on a television or I'm on a movie set, you know. So it was really neat. That's so funny. I think I think I have one of those little toy ones around here somewhere. My kids have one of those little toy things. And that was, yeah, whenever we would, you know, make fun little videos, that was always like the most fun part to me. I'm right. like, I was sure that they probably don't do that anymore. But still snapping that little thing, take one, you know, like that was super fun. You were at a real recording studio. You were makeup and hair and wardrobe. And then you had a professional interviewer that was asking you questions about your story. I have to say that must have made you feel as though people really cared about what your life with, with Crohn's disease was like. Yeah, that's the entire thing with Janssen as a company is that they're extremely interested in, in hearing the patient perspective and getting to learn about their patients and, and who they serve. It's just an incredible experience. And Getting back to that just a quick point about the wardrobe, and this is credit to my wife, Sam, because she, you know, buys most of the clothing that I wear. And uh, when I got there, I didn't have to, I, I got to use all the clothing that I bought, brought with me. I didn't have to have them, you know, change a shirt or something because everything was just, was great, you know. Anyway, thank you, Sam. But yeah, it, it shows you, or at least showed me that, they want to to get the voices out there of the patients and allow us to be heard, and it, what a great experience. And I think at this time in particular, it's extremely important as we're facing challenges with our government in regards to how chronic conditions are covered and if they're going to be covered and all of this about pre-existing conditions and so on and so forth. Things have gotten so much better in recent years with the Affordable Care Act. And right now we're going through iteration after iteration of trying to repeal and replace or repair or what have you. So I think it's really critical, especially at this point, that our stories are out for people that have not been touched by these diseases to understand how important it is that we receive the care and the medications that we need in order to be more productive. Because in your case, you hit on a medication that worked for you and gave you some time. And like I said, when I met you, I did not believe that you had Crohn's disease. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing with, with IBD is that of course, it's, it's an invisible illness. I mean, you can look at someone. That's the only thing that I think would be beneficial, like with a video like that. Like, let's shoot to a still of Ryan in the hospital when I was 120 pounds. Because uh, then you get sort of get that visual of, of what really is happening to the person. You know, I was basically wasting away 
again, six foot one, you know, I usually weigh 175, 180 pounds. So I, I literally look like a zombie. Like I usually say, and it's still true that the first two years with, you know, after being diagnosed, I, I literally was just a ghost haunting my life. It was just through all the symptoms, all the different symptoms and the way that it affected my body and the weight loss. And it was just a difficult time. You're right. You can look at someone and say, well, they don't look sick. Like you don't have Crohn's. Give me a break. But you know, you know, the inside of someone, it's, it's completely different. And we need more awareness because it's just unfortunate because someone looks at you and says, well, there's nothing wrong with him. So, you know, why does he need healthcare? Well, I need healthcare because without it, I, you know, I'm not going to make it very, very long, but, um, right. And the advent of the biologics of which Remicade was the first one for IBD patients has really changed the landscape of how we're treated and there are so many more patients today who do so much better and don't get quite as sick. And I think that's wonderful, of course, that people are not getting as sick and experiencing a better quality of life. And then they just receive their transfusion or they receive or they take their shots at home or, you know, depending on uh, what drug they're on and what the delivery method is. But I also think that then there is perhaps a misperception, another misperception that's cropping up about IBD is that, well, now we've got medications and that everyone should now be doing well because one of these medications is going to work for you, which is not necessarily the case. I know we've had friends that have, we tell them not to use this word, who have failed. Um, they, uh, that's the medical word, they say failed, when uh, a treatment is no longer working for you. And it's very upsetting, and then you hope that you can move on to the next one. But something that's also important with the biologic medications is that sort of you get one chance at using this a particular one, so you want to make sure that you get it right. And after you've been on a, a biologic, you can move to another one if that first one doesn't work out. But it's sort of important that you use the first one that's going to be the most beneficial for you in your individual case. So it's not just like, oh, you know, you have a choice of these three and throw a dart at the wall and let's just see what happens. Yeah, I'm not sure where they are right now. I know that through our work with, with Jansen and, and being involved in the IBD social circle, we do get to meet some of the, you know, the, the leading GIs in the country. And I forget which one had mentioned that we're getting closer to the point where we can have a targeted therapy where, hey, you you know, they can do a test and say, you're, you're not going to have any luck with drug A, and we should really start you off on drug B. I don't know how close they are to that, which is exciting because look at me. I tried two biologics before I made it to Remicade, and neither one of those did anything. And then Remicade, all of a sudden, you know, it, it, it did. It worked great. So what if we had tried Remicade first? You know, why did we, why did my doctor decide to put me on the other drug first? It's just, um, 
frustrating because I don't, I, you hate to think like that, like, you know, hindsight being 2020 and you say, well, maybe at right now I would still have body parts because they wouldn't have been lost to surgery had we tried Remicade first. Yeah, that, that's a horrible sort of spiral thought process that I think all of us go through in regards to our disease and the treatments that we've been on. But yeah, um, so what you're talking about is uh, personalized medicine or individualized medicine. And I'm also not certain how far away we are from that in regards to IBD, but it is done for other diseases that you can be tested for a particular gene or something like that, and then they'll know that you have, it's not an absolute, but they'll know that you perhaps have a greater chance of success with one particular treatment over another. So, yeah, it's definitely something that we're all looking forward to in the IBD space instead of, you know, it happens so often that patients will ask me if they should go on one particular drug or another, and they have to go based on what their doctor knows. But that's, in some cases, they're given a choice between two and then sort of sent home with the information, and they have to make their own choice, which to me seems a little crazy, but that's what happens, and that's the reality of IBD. So I also want to talk to you. Can we talk for a minute about your graphic novel? Is that okay? Yeah, sure, of course. You're working on a graphic novel, and you're a talented writer. You know, I always say that to you, that you know that that's true. And so I really can't wait to see it. I don't know much about it other than maybe a little bit about the main character. Yes, I've been keeping it sort of under lock, I guess, would be the description. And I just don't want to give too much of it away. It's a story with a, a definitive beginning, middle, and end. It's a one-time story. It's not going to be, you know, I think a lot of young adult fiction right now is like, oh, well, here's my book, and let's turn it into, like, an eight-part series. You know, I, I don't have any desire to do that. Like, I want to tell the story and just be done. And But it does center around a young female who has Crohn's and also has a, or is facing, I should say, doesn't, she doesn't have it yet, but she's facing permanent ostomy surgery. She finds herself in the middle of a, uh, a madman, a, a gentleman who has returned to exact revenge. So you'll just have to wait till I'm done, but she gets brought into the, to the story sort of as collateral damage, but like I said, and I'm almost done. Like I so badly wanted to be done. I had surgery back on December 12th and I was like, I've got to get it done before I go in, uh, you know, under the knife, I got to get it wrapped up and out of the way. And of course that didn't happen. And we were, all of us actually were the social circle. We were down there in, um, Orlando and I was trying to get it done before we, before we left and that didn't happen. And then Anyway, so coming back, the, the recovery from the surgery was, at first it was, it was quite easy, and then there were a few complications, and so I've been side, kind of sidelined with a few things, but like I said, almost done, so, and uh, then we'll see. I, I'm trying to, I want to go the route of finding a publisher, it's more like an ego thing, I think, uh, but there are, there are 
comics publishers in the United States who will, you know, help you publish publish your story. And uh, but if that route is not viable, then I will end up going the self-published route, which is a little bit longer and more detailed, but definitely a reality that I want to make. Uh, we were just last weekend, or uh, was it been? Yeah, last weekend we were in Chicago with, with Jansen as well. They put on Healthy Voices, and at the same time was the Chicago Comic-Con. And um, Samantha actually got to go. She has a friend who is extremely talented artist and so i'm like it would be really cool to be there as an artist myself not picture drawing but obviously as a writer so that's a goal of mine is to to be out there with a, a, a book that i think people with ibd will appreciate and it's it's definitely not a sugar-coated thing so there's probably going to be some issues there but it, it you know, it's reality. People don't understand. You know, I've been under the knife, I think, nine times now. And, I mean, you've, you uh, have had a J-pouch, so that was at least, what, three surgeries to get from start to finish? And two. I did two. it in two. Yeah. You did it in two. Okay. You overachiever. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, surgery is not a, a walk in the park for people with IBD. It's just something that I want to try to explore and, and, and make more aware of what happens when someone is faced with, you know, a life-changing surgery. Right. Life-changing in so many ways. Not only does it change your body forever, changes the way that you live. And then in your case and in the case of many others, here you were putting off uh, a project that you felt strongly about and that you wanted to finish because you had to once again deal with IBD and the surgery that you underwent was correct me if I'm wrong but it was proctectomy so and that's a tricky surgery and takes a long time to recover indeed yeah so tell all of your adoring fans Ryan <laughs> aside from myself Tell everyone where we can find you on all of the electric interwebs so that we can make sure that we follow along and uh, support the development and creation and publication of your graphic novel and your other work. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So the I haven't made any announcement about it yet, but I, the place where I will do that will be on my blog, which is cronesguy.com. And you can also find me on Twitter, which is at Ryan underscore Crohn's guy. And if you go to the Twitter handle on my profile information, the bio, bio information, it has a link to the Jansen website where um, currently resides the swimming documentary about the Lake Erie swim. And... I do have a Facebook page about swimming as a, a permanent ostomate and more. I, I'm not really uh, pushing much information on that just yet because it's still, I've learned with this disease that, yeah, you can plan a little bit, but maybe hold back just a little bit too. It, you know, I, I really uh, was looking forward 
to that a few years ago of, of doing the uh, swim around Key West, and then it just kind of got ripped out from underneath me. And so uh, definitely still planning it, but I haven't really pushed any information out about it. And a lot of that is having to, one, get back into shape, which is going slowly, and then two, um, having a problem of peristomal hernia and trying to get back to see my surgeon to see what, you know, how bad is it and does that require uh, surgical intervention or what what she might recommend. Um, I was kind of really bummed to get that proctectomy behind me and, you know, as you said, it was a difficult surgery and then, you know, now I'm looking and I see that, you know, I have a bulge from behind the, the ostomy, which is definitely a hernia. So I don't know. Well, we'll just have to take it as it goes. And, you know, I'll check in with you at various points. There's a lot of other things that I want to talk to you about. We just talked today uh, a, a little bit about you and then about the program that you were involved in, which is found at finelytuned.com. And, but, you know, next time let's talk about more about swimming, which is something that I know nothing about. And, um, I don't know, maybe you can talk me off my ledge and figure out, I like, I, I feel like kayaking would be super fun, but something about being in a, the boat like that, like kind of freaks me out and all of that. So I don't know. It, so this one would be, it's called a sit on top kayak. Oh. So you're, you're not actually inside of. Uh, of oh, oh, I can do that. And also the, the Key West swim is you're just offshore, just a few meters. So if there's ever a, a problem, all you do is, you know, you head into shore and you're right there. So it's not like you're in the middle of, like in the Lake Erie swim, we were literally in the middle of Lake Erie, you know, 12 miles from from shore. So it was, you weren't going in, you know, to to get something that you forgot, but yeah, so the, the, the sit-on kayaks are, and you really, you can't even, you can't sink them. They just don't sink. They just, they take on the water and it goes right through. There's, there are holes in it, but it's, and then, yeah, I, what I really want to do is to convert you from the dark side because you are a runner and running is evil. Sorry. <laughs> you, you know, swimming is so much better for your body. You just, you get a total workout. And you don't get beat up like you do when you're out there running. And even the treadmill beats you up. You know, I can't stand running. Uh, you know, I don't know. I came to it late in life, and I still don't sort of self-identify as a runner. Except that sometimes when I'm driving, and if I haven't worked out that morning, and I'll see someone running on the side of the road, and I will have this wistful, oh, I want to go running. And it kind of it kind of makes me want to throw up at myself. So it's interesting, but yeah, I mean the thing about running is that it's cheap and it's easy. And um, honestly, uh, my body's changed drastically since I started doing it. And actually, some of the aches and pains and problems that I had previously uh, have gone away for, I mean, they've been replaced by other aches and pains after you, you know, you know, run and then you wake up the next morning and don't feel so hot. And I continue to have struggle with my feet, which is probably never going to stop. But some of my joints in, in my legs and my knees, especially 
which I had dos I had dislocated a knee when I was 12, so I've had knee problems for a long time, and I feel now it's the best it's ever been. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I'm ever going to be a swimmer, and like I said, I don't really self-identify as a as a runner. But you have to do something, and especially with a J pouch, it's important that you keep your weight under control, because people that tend to gain a little more weight don't quite do as well and as we all do over 40 we struggle a little bit so um, in any case that's my story and I'm sticking to it but you know a nice a nice day in the Keys sitting on top of a boat like I, I could conceivably be talked into that you know we can talk about that sure or the thing about the Key West swim is the they start and they end at the same spot so like you can just sit there with samantha and you guys can be on the beach with a nice drink <laughs> and you can say goodbye ryan and then i'll leave and i'll swim around and i'll eventually get back to you guys you know so well that's totally sold i get to hang out with sam sam and i get to drink and we get to be in florida done when do i buy my ticket Let's go. All right. I'm going to let you go and get on about because you're a busy person with lots of things to do. So, And just want to thank you again for inviting me on to your podcast. I, I love it. And is this issue episode three? This is going to be episode four. Four. Episode oh. four. Yeah. That's, that's the best one in Star Wars, episode four. It totally so. is. It totally is. In every conceivable way. Oh my gosh, we should do like just a like a nerd IBD nerd, <laughs> and get some of our other IBD nerd friends on one time, and we'll just like do a nerd out podcast. That would be yes. so fun. IBD nerds unite. Hashtag. Yeah. Thanks so Absolutely. much. I think well, you're. Thank you. I think you're going to be like a frequent guest. I hope you don't mind. Oh, I I love it. So I, and. I'm so happy that you're doing this. So thank you. It's super fun. It's so much fun. I get to sit and like just like talk to you and my other friends and it's just like, hey, or sometimes I just talk at the at the microphone and I just rant, which, you know, everyone always loves to hear a rant. Okay, thanks so much and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And there you have it, my interview with Ryan Stevens, a.k.a. Crone's Guy. You may have noticed that I tried to get him to toot his own horn a little bit. He didn't rise to the bait there, though. You can find his documentary, Swimming with Courage and Crones, if you go to his Twitter page, at Ryan underscore Crone's Guy. You really do need to see it. He swam across Lake Erie, and the footage is incredible. I guarantee it will change the way you look at people with IBD after you see it. You can also find him on Facebook, and his handle there is IBD Swimmer, and his website is cronesguy.com. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me all over the interwebs. My handle is about IBD and on verywell.com. I will catch you next time.